For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to week seven of the Prop Shop. I am your host, Bobby Stanley, also known as Prop Holiday on Twitter. And as you know, we are sponsored by Eric LeGrant Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Raise a glass to giving back. Every purchase of Eric LeGrant's premier Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey directly supports community members living with paralysis. Our whiskey is made of choice heartland-grown corn, limestone-purified water, the freshest rye, and barley available. When you pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrant bourbon, we make a donation to the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation, so you enjoy the finest bourbon around, and you also lend a helping hand. Pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrant uh, Premium Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey today, and cheers to a cause. Please enjoy responsibly. Produced by Eric LeGrant Spirits, distilled in Owensburg, Kentucky, Bottled in Bardstown, Kentucky, and it is 88 proof by volume. Guys, welcome into week seven NFL. Last week, the show was on a slight hiatus. Uh, my son, he was not feeling too good. We were in the hospital all week. I had to delay everything uh, as far as my handicapping, my articles, and this show. So I thank you for coming back. Um, I could use actually a glass of that Kentucky whiskey right now. It is almost Friday. We are on Friday Eve. Now, the first few weeks of the prop shop, we've had a lot of ex-NFL guys. We had Glover Quinn, Clay Harbor, Anthony Armstrong. Um, I'm doing a bit of a pivot. We're, we're starting to head into that NBA season. We are through the first quarter easily of the NFL season. And I'm going to bring in some handicappers, some, some betting minds to help us continue to talk through these props. And NBA season, as it stands today, is Five days away. I don't want to take anything away from NFL, but I do want to bring in our first guest. He is on FanDuel TV. He's a member of the Ringer Podcast Network, um, and he's formerly of Action Network. I think he's a damn good handicapper. Ladies and gentlemen, Raheem Pop. Raheem, what's going on, man? I'm telling you, I'm just um, getting ready for the NBA season. I'm kind of not ready for it, actually. It's so crazy because it just feels like it's, it snuck up on me this year, but we got NFL, we got the MLB playoffs. It's just a lot going on. WNBA just ended, so it's been a lot of fun. You know what it was? I think it was the FIBA World Cup that we had these guys fresh in our mind in those down months that we normally don't pay attention to basketball. And now it's here. I mean, the, the preseason's been going on right now. You mentioned MLB. I'm not an MLB capper. How have you been doing in MLB? Because it is a grind that is coming to an end, handicapping MLB. So – like unlike like unlike NFL and NBA, I don't have a model for for MLB. So I'm really just kind of picking my spots. Um, I really tend to do well in the playoffs um, because at that point, you know, I just have a good handle on the, on the pitching. Um, and then a lot of times with playoffs, you're, you're riding a hot team. So you know, my beloved Philadelphia Phillies is just they've been rolling. So um, the last two years, I mean, I've just I've been made, making a killer just betting on them. So that's been great. So I, I do see a lot of your bets. I see you post a lot of stuff on Twitter. I, you know, I listen to you on, a, on the Ringer Podcast Network on the Gambling Show. 
tell us more about kind of your approach because we talked a little about player props. You're like, I don't really touch it to the Super Bowl. You seem very disciplined in how you bet. So bring us into the mind of Rapine Palmer when he's when he's doing some sports betting. Okay, when it comes to NFL and NBA, I do have a model. Um, and yeah. I, I basically I went to the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School of Business. Um, I, I took Stat 101 and Stat 102. I learned about regression analysis and everything like that. And when I got into sports betting, I initially was just a subjective handicapper. Um, and I realized I needed to have a baseline. I needed to have a number to know, you know, why am I like, I, to give you an example, I'd say back in like 2013, 2012, um, I don't know if everybody remembers this game, but the Packers were laying three and a half on the road to the Chicago Bears. Um, and Aaron Rodgers was injured for most of that season, but he came back like the last couple games of the season um, mm -hmm. to, you know, help them make the playoffs and win the division. They were laying three and a half on the road. And the Packers are down, what, two points with, you know, a minute to go. And they're going to kick the field goal, and I'm going to lose that bet. Um, but he rolls out and then hits, you know, Randall Cobb for like a 40-yard touchdown. Um, you yeah. look this up. I mean, you, you'll see it. And the Packers end up covering. And I'm like, I, I have about $4,000 in the game. And I'm like, I'm doing this wrong. I won, but I'm doing this wrong. So I went back to all my stat one-on-one, stat one-on-two stuff. Um, I started taking some stat classes. I taught myself, you know, um, I really taught myself everything I learned in Open. Um, which is a class on, on Excel. Um, and then later on, I taught myself how to use this statistical program called R. So I taught myself how to code. And I basically built like a basic model. And it's my framework for, you know, knowing where the number should be. Now, that's one aspect. I always say that's just a baseline because if you could just make money just modeling the NBA or the NFL, everybody would do it. But it's a little bit more yeah. deeper than I watch all the games. So here, like right around me, I have about three, four TVs here. So I'm watching every game, I'm looking at, you know, advanced metrics, and I'm just, you know, taking my baseline model projection, but then also mm -hmm. handicapping the games. Um, and there's some subjective stuff, but there's also situational angles. There's, you know, which, you know, is in the NBA, is this team playing three and four? Um, is this team playing five and seven? Um, you know, who's officiating this game? Um, yep. What is the motivational angle? It's just... Like I'm trying to just play every single angle and then figure out, okay, which ones matter. And then I put up, put that all together. I come up with a number and I'm reading the market. A lot of times you'll see, um, I'm trying to think of a good example this week. Okay. A good example this week is the Baltimore Ravens and the Detroit Lions. Um, okay. it, fear, it appears that the Baltimore Ravens are kind of undervalued in this spot. I mean, you have a, a Lions team coming in. But we know the public is going to be all over. Um, the Lions, I mean, they could be 6-1 and one for the first time, like, <laughs> since the 90s. And they've been rolling. But meanwhile, you have a Baltimore Ravens team who, you know, like, they can legitimately be, have a perfect record right now. So you're seeing them. You're seeing that they're, they're undervalued. This, this line should probably be higher. So um, that's a, a, a game that I would play in the NFL. And you touched on a couple of things that, struck with me as a player prop handicapper and the game you mentioned we're definitely going to talk about later that that ravens lions game because there, there is there is the baseline to it I, I do feel like you're probably going to get some decent value on the baltimore ravens but keeping in mind coming back from london that's a factor that yeah. these guys that these handicappers in vegas never had to deal with and that it plays a large role 
um, I wouldn't say a large role. It plays a factor in handicapping this game coming back from overseas. And there are some trends that we've spotted. But something you touched on is I have a model and then I have my brain. I, I can get subjective at some point. I have a baseline and then I know what my eyes tell me. And I think the best handicappers out there have to be a mix of the two. You can't be a guy that bets with your gut all the time. You're not going to win. You're not going to beat Vegas that way. If you stick strictly to just a computer, everybody would do it. And then, like you said, it can't be done. When it comes to player prop handicapping, I have a model myself where uh, I'll take and I'll use um, I'll use receptions as an example. I will take a data set of targets over the last three to five years. Obviously, rookies, it's harder. You have a smaller data set. But targets, three to five years. I will take reception rates, so com- uh, you know, reception, c- completion percentage um, for this guy. So say he's anywhere from 60 on his best year, 68% on his worst year, highs and lows. Take your uh, your median, take your, your, your mean, median, and mode. You use uh, normal distribution. Um and I'm going to project out a projection. And then how often will he hit this number over 10,000 projections, over 50, that whatever you feel is necessary in an Excel sheet, how often will he hit this line? That will spit out a percentage. And that number at the bottom, at the side of our bet, that minus 110, that you know 53%, I'm going to compare that 53% to what my projection tells me over 10,000 simulations. Am I getting decent value? And then once I have my baseline, all right, I'm getting good value on this. Is it actually a good play? Do my eyes confirm what this model is telling me? So there is models to be used, obviously, when handicapping games on sides. There's models you can use for player props as well. The biggest downside to player props is if the guy gets injured, it's done. If if the guy fouls out, at least you know, an NBA gets in foul trouble, those minutes come down because in NBA, it's how many points does he score per minute? How many minutes am I projecting? And if he's on a back-to-back, that's going to impact his minutes. Is he playing a team that traded him away? That may add some motivational factor. Um, we all know about the James Harden playing in Houston, playing in Atlanta, playing in Miami themes that we've seen. Um, so I, I th- the point I'm trying to make is it is important to have a baseline and some data behind what you're doing. But there's some subjectivity that watching three TVs is going to give you. And I think the best guys do a, a mix of the two. So um, we can we can chop it up on a player prop model. I think you'll find mine pretty interesting. But with that, I want to go. I want to go into NBA. We're talking about some win totals. We want to talk about the season. The first one you have up is a team I'm high on, and it's um, it's it's because of because of our guy Ant. Let's talk about T Wolves over 44 and a half wins. Why does this one stand out to you? Okay, I think the biggest thing with this is that. When you look at last season, Carl and Towns only played 29 games. Like, mm-hmm. so you have Carl and Towns only playing 29 games, and they still were 42 and 40. So you get him back in the fold, and this, I mean, this win total is only 44 and a half. And you, you mentioned Anthony Edwards. ESPN has him as the 13th ranked player this year. And you're coming off a of fever where it looked like he was the best player on that team. So he's going to make a leap. And, you know, when I look at this team last year, they had some chemistry issues with, you know, playing too big, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And it mm-hmm. seemed like at the end of the year, you know, Chris French, he's a pretty good coach. It seemed like at the end of the year and in that postseason series against the Denver Nuggets, they figured some things out. They really pushed the Nuggets. Um, you know, the Nuggets were dominant against pretty much everybody. But, 
that was a, that was a, a closer closer series than it, than it actually finished up at. So um, you give me a win total of forty four and a half after this team won forty two games with Cardinals and Towns playing playing just twenty nine, and then you have Anthony Edwards making the leap, and you have just a, such a deep roster. You got Nikhil Alexander Walker, you got Kyle Anderson. I think this team should shatter that. So I really like the over. And looking at the Western Conference last year, this 44 and a half, five teams hit over this line in the West last year. They were the Suns, the Kings, the Grizzlies, and the Nuggets. But I like this. I like this Wolves team. One, there's something to be said about a guy coming off that. I mean, it's not the Olympics, but it's FIBA. I'm the I'm the best guy in the room amongst my peers. And then you come into that season a little bit more confident. We saw that with Jordan coming from the, you know, from the Olympic team. There's a little bit of a theme there. I like that Nas Reed got paid. I do think that says something about Carl Anthony Towns. They paid this man. And I was shocked that the Portland Trailblazers had no interest whatsoever in Cat when it came to that Dame trade market. I thought that would have been an awesome fit to pair Dame and Ant in the backcourt, you know, maybe make move Mike Conley as a piece, but bring in Cat to Scoot Henderson. They wanted no part of it. I'd be curious what the trade market is for a Carl Anthony Towns, but this Wolves team, only team to deliver a loss to the Denver Nuggets. They're going to get be- they're going to get better, and I think I think if Carl Anthony Towns does at some point get moved by the deadline, it's actually going to help this Timberwolves team in the the back half of that regular season. Go Bear and Nas Reed and Anthony Edwards. I like that, and I'm curious what what a Carl Anthony Towns trade package would bring. But if they can get those two bigs to work together, this team was the only team to really give the Denver Nuggets a run for their money. They're big, and then they're athletic and very good at protecting the rim. Um, I'm curious what that floor spacing is going to look like with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Gobert, and Ant. But I like over the 44 and a half. I think this is a team that takes a leap into that top half of a of a deep West. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, what? without a doubt. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if I mean he's on the market. I, I think there's going to be a lot of stars on the market this year, so um, we got to kind of stay tuned for that. But I mean, if they're constructed as is, Carl's playing. As long as he takes takes a step back and let Anthony Edwards be the guy, I think that'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. No, this this is his team. He's the face of that franchise, and he's he's a guy I actually bet in a market that's not very popular. It's clutch player of the year. Last year, De'Aaron Fox won it. Um, and then DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy Butler were third and second in that ranking. I think Anthony Edwards was fourth in clutch shot attempts, which is a big stat that goes into this market. Clutch shot attempts is last five minutes of the game uh, and within a five-point game. So Anthony Edwards is shooting those shots. He didn't shoot them at a high clip. De'Aaron Fox did. I think he shot like 55% in that market. He ended up winning the award. Um, I like Anthony Edwards. I think he was 16-1. to uh, as the clutch player of the year. Let's go over to the East. Let's talk about the Hornets. Cause when you told me this, you caught me off guard. So now I got to hear you out 30 and a half over on this Hornets team in win totals. Why do you like it, man? Okay. So when you look at the Charlotte Hornets, they were 27 and 55 last year. And we all know Miles Bridges didn't play. Like he was suspended for most of the year. You had LaMelo Ball. He only played 36 games. They still won 27 games. You go back to 2022. Miles Bridges played 80 games. Lamelo Ball played 75. They had 43 wins. This was a playing tournament team. So that right there truly makes up the difference. And you have a, a experienced head coach and Steve Clifford. Um, you add in, you know, Brandon Miller, 
I just think mm-hmm. this is a team that, you know, is being undervalued so much. And actually, when I really think about it, some books have already gone to 31 and a half. So um, I think this total is way too low. Um, if you want to play an alternate win total, you probably can do that. But 30 and a half is a joke for this team. It's a good point. People forget LaMelo missed a lot of last season. Um, I mean, they're young with the exception of, of Rozier and Hayward, but I think Hayward's going to be a really good mentor to Brandon Miller, kind of showing him the way to play that three position in the NBA. Um, and they're going to run. They're going to be out in the open. They're going to be a high-paced team. Those are teams that can squeak out wins later in the season if they still got the legs. I don't hate it. And it's obviously it's a numbers play, 27 and a half. Can only go three more and get a healthy LaMelo ball? Um, I can see it. I, I, and also, I really like Mark Williams. I, I like the way he kind of finished second half of that season. He was the big body guy. He was putting up some stats. A lot of times when it's April and you're looking at those games, like, wow, this guy put up 25 points. Like, it's the end of the year. People stop giving a shit. But I like Mark Williams. I like his size. And at this number, it's very intriguing. With the next one, you lost me, man. I, I, I'm I, high on Dallas. You're going under on 44.5 win totals. Let me hear it. Lay into the Luka Kyrie duo. I want to hear it. Okay. So, we all love Luka Doncic. We all love Kyrie Irving. Last season, what was their downfall? It was defense. Yeah. 24th defensive rating. Allowed 116 points for under possessions. This team they can't defend, they can't rebound. What what makes you think that changes this year? And like they haven't really added any bigs. And you know, one of the things that I like to look at is teams who go overseas. They went to Abu Dhabi, they had a really long road trip. Historically, mm-hmm. if you look at teams who go overseas, they tend not to do well and they tend not to go over their win totals. Because that first month of the season is a huge adjustment. You had training camp, you go overseas, and not only did they play two games at Abu Dhabi, I know they played the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I'm going over on them, but the Mavericks also played a game against the EuroLeague team, Real Madrid. So they stayed over there a little bit longer, and they had like a really long road trip. You know, um, I think Mark Spears actually wrote about this, um, how long their road trip was. And Teams who, who just don't win a game in preseason, I like guess one thing, like people say, oh, preseason doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you don't show me anything. It matters. When like, <laughs> you, you, you literally just don't look like a competent team, it matters. So that's an issue. You know, we spoke about the defense. We, we spoke about the rebounding. Derek Lively, he's just, he's just not ready. He, he's not ready yet. I, 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 think he's, I think he's a solid big. But if they're playing teams with competent bigs, they're going to struggle. So this is a team that's going to have to outscore you to win. Now, you look at Luka Doncic. We all love Luka. He's amazing. But he's a guy who tends to play his way out of shape. He plays in FIBA. He plays international ball. Then halfway through the year, you notice that he's starting to gas up. He's, I look at him like the European James Harden. He plays that helocentric style of basketball which is, you know, great when you don't have, any, like, any other guys. But, you know, at some point in time, that style of basketball is, is tough to win with. Um, Kyrie Irving, love him to death. He's mercurial. I mean, who, who's to say, you know, he just signed a new contract. Who's to say in, in February things are, are not just going to go left? So 
They have all these things working against them. They have the defense, the, the, the lack of rebounding, um, the, the long road trip, struggling in preseason. Then you look at Jason Kidd. Historically, in his, his second and third year, the defense tends to fall off a cliff. His first year, what did he do? He had them playing defense. They were six in defensive rating. Following year, 24th. I expect that yep. to continue. It happened with the Milwaukee Bucks as well. I there's some things you said I agree with, some things that I, I may push back on. When it comes to when it comes to defense and what is their intensity, I think you bring in a guy like Grant Williams who has some defensive flexibility. You don't have to like you, you mentioned a good point about Luca and gassing yourself out. Grant Williams can guard anywhere from a two to a four. Um, he has that defensive flexibility, that switchability. I I actually like them as a I liked him as a pickup for them. He does not have the big man size. You mentioned Derek Lively. I'm a little bit higher than him than you may be, just as a rim protector. I do think he can alter shots. I do think he can pull down some boards. Uh, they bring in Rashawn Holmes from Sacramento, who not a defensive stalwart, but can he? spell lively bring a little bit to that second unit in the post um i, I actually like Rashawn Holmes just defensively i, I agree with you there they're, they're going to struggle with any big that comes in rudy gobert is going to eat their lunch um you're looking at the rest of the i mean jaron jackson he's going to have a field day demontis sabonis i totally agree with you there and when it comes to a playoff team they're probably going to struggle regular season i like that kyrie can come in and maybe take the ball out of his hands and, you know, take the ball out of Luca's hands in some possessions and say, listen, man, either play off the ball, stay in shape, play, play off the ball a little bit. I don't want you to, I, I don't want you to have to play James Harden basketball because I totally agree with you. He's, he's a Euro James Harden. Problem is, we kind of shun James Harden and we praise Luca a little bit, but it's essentially the same player when you look at um, uh, their usage percentage. Anyway. I think they're going to be a decent regular season team. I think they're going to flirt with this number. Could it be 43? I think they're in that 43 to 47 window. For me, it would be a stay away only because I'm high on Luca. I'm a Jersey guy. I love Kyrie Irving. I, I, I mean, I don't love everything he's done, but as a basketball player, I, I, I love Kyrie Irving. And I think he's in a position now where, yes, he got his money, but this is – this is the last train home for him. If this doesn't work out and what you says happen, what you said happens come February, I mean, he's facing James Harden territory where nobody's going to want him. You're going to get traded for a bag of chips and some pick swaps. And I don't think Kyrie wants to get to that point. So um, yeah. I do think we see someone energized. He's out from that Nike deal. He's got his own shoe deal. He's getting praised by Mark Cuban. He's got an in-shape Luca. I have them between 43 and 47. I see your argument. I would just stay away entirely. Um, but I'm also way too pro Kyrie. Than the Before we move on, I'm going to remind everybody, and this is this is so fascinating. I just looked this up. Um, the Mavericks have a 16% offensive rebound rate. Um, <laughs> that's 32nd amongst all the teams in the preseason. I mean, that's behind foreign overseas teams. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's including the Adelaide 36ers from the NBL. Like <laughs> this team can't rebound. That includes Maccabi. Like yeah. their rebounding rate is absolutely abysmal. They're 31st in, in, in rebound rate, six um 32nd in offensive rebound rate. So this team is not going to be able to rebound, and you're gonna see a lot of teams getting second chance shots. I mean, I know you're a pop player. 
if you're playing against the Mavericks, you probably want to take the opposing team's bigs over. I'm going to make a note of that and probably hammer the hell out of it early on. But, I mean, and also, and you're right, with just the sheer size. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., they had a Seth Curry. They're they're playing small ball. They're owning it. We got great, you know, you're going to see a lineup of Kyrie, Luka, Grant Williams, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Max Kleber or Dwight Powell. Like, you're, you're going to see a very, very small team. They're probably going to give Golden State a decent run for their money in the regular season. But as you said, when, oh, yeah. you, when you bringing a team with a front court and some size, they're going to struggle. Um, I'm very curious. And then Kyrie, gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt every year. So it's just like. You don't don't speak that into existence. <laughs> I love Kyrie, but I mean, you got to pencil in him for missing at least 20 games a season. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Well, some of it, I mean, some of it's not related to injury. Some he just, you know, decides to make a stand on something, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to fold it in. But I hope that doesn't happen. This is an interesting one I'm going to yeah. keep an eye on through the regular season. At least through Christmas, we're going to know pretty quickly what this Mavericks team's about. Yeah. Let's stay in the West. Let's stay with an under. Stay with the West and an under. And this one I actually kind of like, but I want to hear, I want to hear your, your King's take. Okay, when it comes to the Sacramento Kings, um, like I, I wait, like if you can't tell already, I weigh defense, defense really, really heavily. Um, and this Kings team, they were the team that everybody bought low on. We had the over last year for this, for this team, mm-hmm. but they were 16th, I mean, 25th defensive rating, allowing almost 117 points per run of possessions. They got by on an offense, which was first in the offensive rating. And you know, last year they were the healthiest team in the NBA. Like, this was a team, they didn't have, you know, many guys missing games. Sabonis played 79 games. Fox played 73 games. Barnes played 82. Keaton Murray, 80 games. Kevin Herter, 75 games. This is a team that relies on offense, doesn't have a lot of defense, doesn't have a lot of rebounding. You get some injuries there, and I think that changes. And then also, you know, they won 48 games last year. They set the win total at 44 and a half. The West is stronger. Yeah, like there's no easy wins there. Um, you look at their division alone. The Lakers are a much better team. Um, mm-hmm. The Golden State Warriors. I mean, for <laughs> for what they did last year, you can't expect them to be historically great on the at home and on the road. Like there's just no easy wins this year with anybody. I mean, the Suns. I mean, regardless of what you feel about the Suns, that's not an easy team to have in your division. So I just think. You get some injury, you get a tough wins. I really like this under, and I, I just think, I think they take a step back. No, there's, I, I totally agree with you. There's going to be some regression from this Kings team. They blew expectations out of the water last season. De'Aaron Fox, we talked about clutch player. Sabonis, I want to see more added to his game. I mean, I, I think he has yeah. the potential to be a little bit better, but there's something missing, whether that be floor spacing. I just want to see another level out of Sabonis. I don't know if he has it. Um, Keegan Murray, I think, is going to be interesting. I, I think it's going to be interesting yeah. to see if he can take another step. If he does, this line may be in jeopardy, but I'm not banking on it. Um, I, I just think we saw two. I think he, they, they just they went over their skis last year. I expect some some regression. The West, as you mentioned, hungry. That Lakers team finished the back half of that season as one of the top five teams in the NBA when they after that D'Angelo Russell trade. They're going to come in and hit the ground running. So 
the only thing I mean, Memphis as a team that I, I think is going to struggle, they may be able to pick some easy wins there. I think Memphis is going to struggle out of the gate in the West, but Sacramento at this number, this year. you do I see not having John Morant for 20 games and letting Marcus smart pretend he's Allen Iverson for 25 games is a recipe for disaster. I love Derek Rose. I can't wait to watch 30 minutes a game of Derek Rose. It's going to bring me back, you know, 10 years, but um, I, I don't. I, I'm curious what that Grizzlies team without John Moran is going to look like. Uh, I'm going. I'm as going far as I'm going on the other. What's up? I, I, I'm, I'm going over over the Grizzlies win total. What is their win total this year? Um, I think it's, it's it might even be up to 46. It was like 44 at one point. I love the Grizzlies this year. Oh, screw the book. Like Bet it. me, man. Save the juice. <laughs> <laughs> although I've seen, although I've seen your bet side. I've seen your bet size. I, I can't take your bets, but <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm betting a little smaller right now. Um, I was like betting, you know, like for much of last year, I was betting ten twenty thousand a game. Um, this year, I'm probably like, I mean, as of right now, I mean, that could change. Um, right now, I'm betting anywhere from you know two to five, yeah, probably two to five a game. But at one point, I was like, I mean, last year. I was betting 10, 20,000 a game. Sometimes I had 30 or 40 or 50 on the game. Um, but ladies, the, ladies like the, the ringer and FanDuel are not paying his bills. This man is betting and paying his bills. Follow him. Got to respect it. Anybody, <laughs> anybody who puts their money where their mouth is, you got my respect. Uh, I, I think the thing with the grid, I, I really like defense. I weigh defense so heavily for the regular season. And the, I mean, under Taylor Jenkins, this team has been a top five defense forever. I mean, they, they had, you know, they were second in defensive rating last year. And mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks is addition by subtraction. So they basically replaced Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart. So as much mm-hmm. as we'll look at the, the Celtics and say, yo, why is Marcus Smart taking these elevated shots? He's basically like a better Dylan Brooks. <laughs> like, I mean, Marcus He's Smart was last year from yeah, like he's such a huge upgrade, and they always won games without John Moran. The only concern I have is there's no Tyus Jones. He was he was he was a guy that would come in on nights, and I would I mean betting player props. I'm looking at his alt line assists. I mean, I'm sitting there going, if this guy can get 25 minutes, six, eight assists, these are all in play, and you're getting decent odds on it. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm again another team. I not having job for so long. Um, I mean, I like Jaron Jackson. I like Aquaman. Luke Kennard, I could do without, but I- I'm excited to watch Derrick Rose. I to get some some quality Derrick Rose minutes that he was stashed away in New York. He's young. I mean, he's not young, but he's like 32, 33. He's still there's there's juice in those legs. I want to watch it. He's 35. Um, he's 35. Shit, I thought he was the same age as me. I'm 34, so we're close enough. Yeah, we're um, old, man. <laughs> 89, still an 80s baby. I'm 37. All right, let me. 37? Shit, you look younger than me. Um, all right, let's go to my pick. We went through. We went through Raheem's. This is the team I'm very high on. And I'm going with an alt line. I think Raheem's getting the feeling that I like playing some some juicy odds. I'm rolling with the Thunder at alt line of over 47 and a half. I'm getting nearly two to one. I'm getting plus 180. Uh, this is over on DraftKings. You can you can take the little bar. You can take it over to 47 and a half. This was plus 235 four days ago when I tweeted it out. Now it's down to plus 180. 
I love this Oklahoma City team as a regular season team. Let's take a look at their jump. They won, I think, 27 games two years ago. They won 40 games last year. They have a first-team All-NBA uh, SGA. I love their core of Giddy, Dort, Jalen Williams. And then they bring in Chet Holmgren. If you're talking about the preseason, this guy looks as advertised. And this considered his rookie year. So now we have these four young guys. With, with the, take, take Chet out of there. The other three guys, they have minutes. They have experience. I think they're going to run through the regular season. They were a top four team against the spread last season. So let's keep that in mind. Um, I love this alt line at 47 and a half. I think they're going to land as a top four seed in the West. Now, they also have the most ammunition of any team in the NBA to completely destroy the trade deadline. They have more firsts and pick swaps. And if they're getting really froggy, you could probably package Dort, um, uh, Usmani, Diang. They really like these tall stretch guys. I think they have a roster to make a move. And if they don't make a move, I think they have a roster that can easily win 49 games. So I love them at plus 180. What what are your thoughts on, even though it is the West, what are your thoughts on OKC taking another leap from last year? So I was nervous about this one. Um, I saw the, the, the win total. What's the um, regular win total? I think it's like 45, 44 and a half. Uh, I, I think it may be 45. Go ahead. So I came into this year saying I'm going to play the Oklahoma City over. And then I saw the win total, and I'm like, damn, the book's caught on. But the way you worded this and you're playing the alternate win total, I'm going to have to steal this one for myself. <laughs> like, I really, really like this one. Um, and one of the things that I was going to approach, and I actually said this on, you know, the Ringer Game on podcast today, um, which, which dropped earlier today on FanDuel TV, is I like Shaq Gilgis Alexander to win MVP. Wow. Because it's like you look at his numbers, 31 points per game, almost five rebounds, almost six assists, 51% shooting, 27 perks. Those are MVP numbers. So and now throw in being a top four team. Yeah, and now saying, okay, now I'm on a top four team and doing it. Exactly. So if Oklahoma City makes that leap, like at the very least, and I, I don't like to tell people this, but this bet is gonna have cash out value. Um, there's certain books out there that'll let you bet and then you can cash it out. You're looking at 19 to 1, 18 to 1 on shot on SGA. This this number is going to be, you know, 10 to 1, 5 to 1, maybe even 3 to 1 if he repeats what he did last year and Oklahoma City makes that leap. So yeah. that's where I would, like, I mean, I, I'm probably going to play Oklahoma City there. If if you're in on them, like you said, there may not be, in, in the line I just looked it up, Raheem, it's 44 and a half, it's minus 120 on DraftKings. I'm sure you could chop it down and get the Jews close to even, but 44 and a half is the standard line. If you're all in, if you believe in the team, like I I think this team can play in the regular season, um, and I like what I see from Chet, and I like their their flexibility before the deadline. Uh, again, their youth, I think they're going to take the regular season very, very seriously versus a team like the Suns that are maybe, we just want to hang around. I just, you know, I just want to get into that top six. I don't want to be in the play-in. We don't have anything to prove till March. Um, this is the opposite. These young guys, I think, are going to have something to prove. So, I would say play the alt line if you believe in them. If you don't believe in them, that's fine. But I think the alt lines where the values at. Um, 
Yeah, without a doubt. Other, I, I, I love that one. I'm still in that one. <laughs> the other, the other team, I'm I'm pretty high on. And I mean, when you're when you're an NBA fan, when you got the league pass, you have your league pass teams. You have you you, you obviously you watch the the Nuggets and the Lakers and the Knicks and everything. They're on ESPN every other night. I love my league pass teams. I love the teams that are bottom ten. Who's the talent? Where are they going? They're the movers and shakers. For uh, I love. I'm really going to be excited to watch Houston. I'm actually excited to watch Cade in Detroit. I, I can't wait to see if the Pistons make a little. I love their young core. I love Ivy. I, I love Duran. Um, the Orlando Magic very much fit that build. They're a team that I watched every single night, mostly because they started at seven and I'm on the East Coast. Um, but I love Palo. I love Franz Wagner. Uh, I think Jalen Suggs, if he stays, is a good defensive stalwart in the backcourt, um, but he also could be a piece to move. I'm actually shocked that they weren't involved more uh, in trade talks for Dame or Paul George because this team I can see really taking, I wouldn't call it a leap, but for them to get into play, and that means they got to land between 7 and 10 in the East, in a top-heavy East. I'm getting plus 135 on the Magic. Uh, they bring in a Joe Ingles who – He's a vet. I'm not expecting much from him, but they needed a vet in that locker room uh, because it was all youth. It was nothing but youth in Orlando. I like him as more of a mentor and a coach than anything else. But uh, to round out that roster, Markel Fultz reminds you every once in a while he had a he had a pass in the preseason that he pulled out of his ass the other night, and I'm like, this guy was a first. He was a first pick overall for a reason. Um, Gary Harris, Cole Anthony, uh, you know, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac. When he comes in, he just Physically, he looks dominant. The problem is he's never on the floor. My big thing is Paolo, and I think he showed a lot in the FIBA World Cup. He was a guy, he had one or two big games in that tournament, and he he showed me that he's a year or two away from being a first or second team All-NBA guy. But it's there. The 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 mechanics, the talent, the, the passing, if he can add a three-point shot to his game, I think he's first or second team NBA in the next two years. For now, I think they could be a, a ninth or tenth seed in the East, and I'm getting it at plus one thirty-five. Yeah, I like that one. I, I really do, and I like I like a lot of their younger guys. I mean, you, you call it Franz Wagner. Like, I, I just I think they have they have everything that you need to be a playing team and, and challenge challenge for that. So this is a good bet. Uh, and if we take a look really quick at the East, we know how top heavy it is. Take the Bucs and the Celtics. They're one and two, two and one, whatever you want to do. 76ers, I don't know if they're going to be a three seed in the East next season. James Harden's foot's out the door. He's chilling in Houston. He's probably going to the Clippers, but Daryl Moore is not going to get anything near what he was asking. I don't know if you saw the tweet that came out this morning, what he asked for from LA. Did you see it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. That, that was, yeah. yeah. He goes, yeah, you should have thrown him Paul George. It's like, dude, you're not getting Terrence Mann. You might as well keep your mouth shut about Paul George, but he's going to end up going for Norman I, I, Powell. I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate Gerald Moore for standing on business because at the end of the day, like, I'm not, I'm giving up James Harden for a bag of chips either. And you've seen him do this before. He's been patient. Yep. He was patient with, with Ben Simmons and he got James Harden. Now, how you get him is how you lose him. <laughs> but I, I think this is the right approach because at some point, somebody's going to make a leap and somebody's going to say, you know what, I got to make this trade. So um, yeah. I agree with him, you know, holding out. He'll get a, he'll get something. He won't get what he won't get his first or his second offer. He'll get something. I think he'll land in L.A. Uh, I think Norman Powell's definitely going to be part of that. But I'd be curious um, what else they get. But just looking at the East. Bucks and Celtics, they're one and two. I'm I'm confident in that. 
Cavs, I think, land in the top five. Um, I actually like the Heat to have a way better regular season. They were destroyed with injuries last year. Let's throw the Heat in the top six. Knicks and Nets. Nets, um, Nets, I liked what I saw the second half of the season, but I'm curious how they gel over the course of a season. And I'm not about to buy into the Ben Simmons hype, but I kind of want to just – from what we're seeing, he's shooting the ball, which is a start for Ben Simmons. So we're we're seeing shots in NBA games. Um, the Hawks, I think, regress. I don't like I don't like Trey Young and Dejounte Murray together. I just it's not for me. Interesting. Um, I, I like the Hawks this year. You do. I mean, I like Bogey. I like Bogey as a Sixth Man of the Year candidate. But what do you see in that team? What do you see in that Hawks team? It's all Quinn Snyder. When you bring in a, a, a coach like Quinn Snyder, I, I just think they pushed that Celtics team, and he didn't even get a full training camp. So you give him a full training camp. The one thing that we've seen from the Hawks consistently is, I mean, outside of last year, they had top five offenses. Quinn Snyder has always had top five offenses when he was with the Jazz. If yep. you put two and two together, this is going to be a team who can score, and I think the, the win total of 41 is probably a little bit low if everybody stays healthy. Fair enough. I'm not going to knock the Quinn Snyder angle. I, I think it's I think it's fair. And he he was really just evaluating the second half of the season when he came in. It wasn't. I, I think he was just like, okay, these are my pieces. Let me play with what I got and see what I have. I'll evaluate for next season. Um, one team that I think is going to blow it up by the deadline is the Toronto Raptors. I think Siakam. Uh, he could be another candidate for the Oklahoma City Thunder if they do they do make a move. But I think the Raptors. I love Scotty Barnes as most improved player. There's a guy who averaged, I think, 16, 6, and 5. If they move OG, which I, I don't know what value they have on him, uh, if they move Pascal, I do think the team falls into the bottom, but it's going to be a really good development year for Scotty Barnes. Um, I think he could jump to that close to 20, maybe 7 and 7, which is rare air in the NBA. So I like the Raptors as a league pass team, not necessarily a successful team but they're going to be a team that's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm the president of the Gary Trent Jr. fan club. I, I just love betting on the guy. He's anywhere from 10 mm-hmm. points to 30 on any given night. And if you hit his alt line on threes, if you hit his alt line on 20, when his over-under is 13 and a half, you know, I've had him at 20 plus points. I'm getting plus 220. The guy's 13, you know, over 13 and a half. He comes off the bench, gets hot. I love Gary Trent Jr. I got to have an autographed jersey somewhere in my office of him. But um, – <laughs> The, the Raptors are a team that I, I don't think are going to be good, but they're going to be fun to watch. Um, and then the Pacers. I think the Pacers up. Rick Carlisle, more Tyrese Halliburton. Matherin gets injected into the starting lineup. So the East is going to be fun at the bottom. Is there anyone else we haven't talked about in the East? I, I just The NBA is the deepest it's ever been. We're, we're ready for expansion. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned the Raptors because I did love their under. Um, I did love the Pacers over um, – it's so funny because I'm doing all these podcasts and we're splitting them up. So my mind is on the West. That's why I went like so many West teams. Um, because we did the Eastern Conference weeks ago. Um, one I'm, I'm interested in taking um, is probably the Bulls under because I think they have real blow it up potential. They haven't had the ability to blow it up the last two years because they've just been locked in. There were no new moves to make. Nobody's um, what, what is it? I mean, they were locked in with DeRozan and Levine. Uh, they were locked in with Vucevic. They made their bed. They had to sleep in it. Now they may be finally able to get out from under some of those contracts. Um, I'd be curious what angle they go. I just feel bad for Lonzo Ball, man. I want to see him play basketball again. That Chicago Bulls team before he got hurt was rolling. 
they were rolling. They were playing good defense. He was getting open looks. He was shooting his best career, I think, from three. Um, and then his injury happened and the whole team derailed. So there was a there was a six-week window. We were talking about the Bulls in the East. Then Lonzo get hurt and it all goes to shit. I, I'd love to see him back. Yeah. It's hard. Right. It, it, but honestly, I, I'd really be surprised if Levine or DeRozan or both finished the season with that team. That was shocking. Mm-hmm. Now we've we've beat NBA to death. We have an NFL Sunday coming up. It is week seven. Um, where I normally I go, Raheem, I go normally pretty heavy into my NFL. I'll bring my favorite play, and it's typically an over, mm-hmm. depending on what I'm looking at. And then I'll bring in some alt lines. So I'll be like, you know, I loved in London, Dalton Kincaid loved him at three plus receptions. Then I alt lined him four plus, five plus, and sure as shit, it was the Docs game. I was handicapping a tight end uh, against that Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I handicapped the wrong one, but I love getting those. I love getting those alt lines. If I find value, then the derivatives also should have value. We're not going to do that this week. We're going to stick with we're going to stick with our plays. I know you want to talk about this Washington Commanders team in an NFC East divisional matchup. They're giving two and a half to the Giants. Why does this stand out in the model? Um, this is not even a model play, to be honest with you. This is like when you look at the Giants, they played that big game on Sunday Night Football where they, they, they played the, the Buffalo Bills close. And now you come back, and the biggest thing that you're seeing this week is the Giants' offensive line is completely decimated. I mean, they're signing practice squad. They're signing practice squad guys. I mean, they brought in Justin, Justin Pugh, Pugh off the in, couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tyree Phillips. I mean, like, Pretty much the entire offensive line is hurt, like, and I mean everybody. <laughs> so it's just you're facing the Washington Commanders defensive line, which is top fifteen in pressure rate. So if you have the entire offensive line banged up, this is just a bad mismatch. And you know, last week they played a Buffalo Bills team who was riddled with injuries on defense. Matt Milano, um, we know Trey White is out, so we knew that they would take a step back defensively. Commanders actually have a better defense this week. Um, so I, I think the Commanders, if they put up 17, 20 points, and we know teams aren't scoring a lot of points, they put up 17 points, they, they, they win and cover this game. I'm actually going to ride with you on this one. Um, and it's for another reason. The Giants, I want to say they overachieved on Monday night. They came to the, down to the last play of the game. They took the Buffalo Bills to the wire. Now, you could make the argument maybe the Bills are underperforming since they've been in London, but I don't want to say that was a win for them, but that was a feel-good moment, at least for a second, that they went wire to wire in prime time. Now, let's come back down to reality, and we're facing Chase Young and you know uh, in the divisional matchup. So this Commanders team, they just play their division very, very well. We saw what they've done to Philadelphia this year and last year. Um, I... I like the two and a half. Are the only concern I may have are the Giants home or the oh no the Giants are home. The only thing that scares yeah. me yeah. is home divisional underdogs. I think the trend is like sixty yeah. percent, but this may not be that yeah. case because this Giants team is. If you can't defend, if you can't get it done in the trenches, it's a wrap. So I'm actually going to ride yeah. with you on this one. I may throw in a player prop to get my juice up. Maybe yeah. I go Brian Robinson touchdown Commanders money line. <laughs> Get that around plus one fifty because the Giants' defense looked okay, but I I don't know. I, I you're coming on a show. I, I like betting on te- against teams 
on a short week. This is technically a short week playing Monday night. Um, I got to find that line. I got to find a Brian Robinson touchdown money line commanders. Yeah, I, I to me, it would really stun me if the Giants won this game, um, just based on our offensive line history. And I, I just think that's enough for me. Um, you know, typically, I mean, the, the, the commanders coming off a, a big win, but I just think this Giants team is probably one of the worst in the league. Um, and we all know that their defense is, is pretty bad. Like, I mean, that was the one game where their defense kind of showed up. But I think that said more about the, the Bills than it said about the Giants because in the second half, the Bills kind of they got whatever they wanted. So they just came out a little sluggish coming back from London. If this gets to that magic number of three, Raheem, are you still playing? Or are you staying away? No, no, no. I, th- I already played it already at two. Okay. So Just so uh, for the listeners out there, yeah, if you I, see it get to three, it may lose some of its value. Yeah, yeah. I would not play this at three. Um, and I don't think it's going to get to three, honestly. I, I thought I was going to get to three at, at first, but I think if you get to three, I think, I think you'll, you'll probably have some buyback, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> All right. Let's go into one of my favorite player props for the weekend. It's a game we talked about a little bit in the open. It's that Ravens-Lions game. I'm on Jared Goff, over one and a half passing touchdowns. I'm getting plus 120. You can still shop around. I think it's still roughly plus 120. If I look at just him hitting this line, he's done it in two of the last three. He's done it in three of six on the season. He's going to be without David Montgomery. And the reason I think this is plus money um, is because Baltimore has only given this up once all season, and it was to Joe Burrow. But I want to go through in detail that QB list that these Baltimore Ravens have faced. They get C.J. Stroud in his first game ever. They get Gardner Minshew, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Kenny Pickett, and a combination of Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis over in London. I'm not sold yet on this Baltimore Ravens defense being flat-out dominant. I mean, I, I do like Roquan Smith. I, I, you know, I like Patrick Queen. Um, I love this at plus 120. If we look at Goff last week, Montgomery went down very, very early. He threw the ball 44 times. He threw two touchdowns, no interceptions. They won 20-6. to six. I do think this game's going to be a little bit more back and forth than that Bucks game last week. So he's going to have multiple red zone trips. They're not sold on giving the ball to Jameer Gibbs in the backfield. For whatever reason, I don't know. Um, Sam Laporta should be suited up. He, he's practiced uh, in limited participation this week. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, They get Jamison Williams back. Now this is third or fourth game back from suspension. I think Goff's rolling, and I know that's a public take, but the reason this is plus money odds is because the Baltimore Ravens have been so good at shutting down quarterbacks, and I'm not sold on any of the guys they shut down uh, outside of Burrow, and Burrow ended up doing it. So give me the plus 120. Give me Goff to throw two touchdowns. So I like this one, um, and I think the the only concern is um, what's the weather there? Um, because I, I did hear there's supposed to be some windy conditions. Is that is that the case? I think that's fair because I'm worried about weather also this weekend. I'm supposed to be having a party for my son, and we had to pause it on Saturday. Let's let me take a look real quick. Sunday, Baltimore, Maryland, partly cloudy, 62 degrees, 17 mile an hour winds. I don't – is that okay. bad? 17, no rain, though. I think when you're looking at, like, I think it's, like, 15 to 20, 25 mile per hour winds, that's when it starts to be um, an issue. Um, I think this – this yeah, um, the, the total is coming down. We, we open up 45, 
We're down to 42 and a half. Um, that would be my only concern with this one, but I think you nailed it, you know, Jared Goff. I mean, you're looking at a guy last 17 games, 391 of 578, 67% completion percentage, 400, I mean, 4,473 passing yards, 29 passing interceptions, I mean, 29 passing touchdowns to four interceptions. Lions are 13 and four in those games. So, you know, Goff has been rolling. And I agree with you um, when you listed those lists of quarterbacks. I mean, C.J. Stroud, 16th in EPA per play, plus completion of expectation. DTR, unranked, not enough snaps. Joe Burrow, without a cat, um, 30th in EPA, plus completion over expectation. Kenny Pickett, 33rd. Gardner Minshew, 25th. Anthony Richards, 28th. Ryan Tannehill, 22nd. Malik Willis, unranked. So this is the best quarterback that they face. So um, I think your process on this is like is dead on. You just want to watch for that weather. That's the only issue that I have. All right. Something to monitor. Something to monitor on the weather, but we are getting a little bit of uh, juice on some plus money odds. There's one I'm throwing at you before we go because I want to show you some of the thought process I have on some of these these uh, these uh, player props. Russell Wilson, over 23 and a half rushing yards. And I found a bit of a correlation that stands out to me. Handicapping quarterback rushing totals against teams that successfully bring pressure equates to more rushing attempts, especially with plays breakdown. Now, in the NFL, sacks do not count as negative yards like they do in college football. This helps us. Wilson has hit this line twice this season. Against the Commanders, he had 53. Against the Jets, he had 27. Against the Chiefs, he had four rush attempts but only 13 yards. All three of these teams are top 10 in NFL QB pressure rates. Now, the Green Bay Packers this week, they land eighth on that list and rank ninth in the NFL with five QB rushing attempts per game. Now, Wilson's at 6.5 yards per carry this season. If he hits those five rushing attempts, uh, attempts, he blows this line out of the water. So I'm on Russell Wilson on a rush total, um, not because he's been so successful at it, because this matchup and the teams he's faced and the teams he's faced that fit my little demographic He's had success. He's going to pull the ball down. I think he's going to rush four or five times. If he does, this line is favorable. So I'm on Wilson over 23 and a half. You could play the alt line of 25 plus. I think you get like plus 110 on it, maybe minus 105. I just like it at the 23 and a half. But this is, I wanted to give you some insight in my player props. It's some numbers. It's some subjectivity. Um, but 23 and a half, I think, looks good to me on Russ, who he's playing for his job, man. I mean, I, I don't think he finishes the season as the Broncos quarterback. Yeah, this, this one makes a lot of sense. It, it really does. Um, and I, I need to start thinking about player props um, just because, I mean, the way you broke that down was like um, was so great. Um, so I think this is a good one. I definitely do. Cool, cool. I had to, I had to open up the, the treasure chest of tricks that I bring out in player props because there is some model to it. There is some stats to it. Um, and with the books, I mean, they, they have, they, they've gotten better at hiring guys to handicap this because two, three years ago, player props were getting feasted on and now it's the most bet market. And now sports books, specifically the rec books are putting a lot more resources on it to get these lines sharper. But we have tools like, you know, use DVOA. I use, I'm a big fan of PFF. You can start using these things. How are players doing against man and zone coverages? Um, I look at the new Orleans saints tonight this, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. It's coming out on Friday. Saints run the second most man coverage in the NFL. What does that mean for uh, Christian Kirk? What does that mean for, for Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram? We can start breaking these things down thanks to, to PFF and, and, and some of those numbers. So um, 
We're getting smarter than the books. It's just taking a little bit longer than I wanted. Raheem, I can't thank you enough for joining me, man. Go ahead, go ahead. No doubt. What um, what kind of what kind of um? I want to ask you, what kind of um limits are they taking on these props now? I mean, have they moved the limits up uh, with them getting sharper? I am not someone who is exhausting my limits, but um, if you are new to a sports book, you could probably get two thousand dollars. I would guess. And then as soon as you start winning, they'll bring that back down to reality, but you could probably get two grand. I don't know what state you're in. I, I mean, I'm in Jersey. I have access to all the rec books, so I don't know where you're at. I'm in Philly. You're in Philly. So, you know, you probably still, I don't know if you have bet. Three, six, five is hands down the most vulnerable book I've ever seen, but once you get good, they're going to limit you and cut you off. So um, pick your spots and, and hand, they're really good with alt lines, alt receiving, alt receptions, alt rush attempts. You can make a killing. On bet three six five, but they're gonna they're gonna cut you pretty quick. Um, oh, Raheem, man, <laughs> having having a handicapper on here was an awesome change of pace. You are always welcome to come back. I greatly greatly appreciate it. Um, we are gonna get this up on YouTube. Make sure you are following this man on X at I am Ramstradamus. Um, he is on FanDuel TV. What's your FanDuel TV and Ringer schedule like? Plug it. Um. So. Um, we do East Coast Bias on Ringer Gambling Show on Mondays. I have my own show on Tuesdays called the Roster Diamond Show, which is on the Ringer Gambling feed. Then on Thursday, we actually have um, we do East Coast Bias, which is on Spotify, and then we also do that on on FanDuel TV. And then on Sundays, we have a live show called the Wise Guys on FanDuel TV. Cousin Sal, JJ House, and myself. Um, that's th- that's Sunday at eleven a.m. That's live on Fangle TV every Sunday. You are living the dream, my friend. I can only imagine. If you ever need a player prop guy, you know who to call, man. I, I'm gonna bring you on to the show because um, at, at some point, you know, I'll have you come on. Um, I love the fact that you do NBA, so um, I'll bring you on at some point. Definitely, I love it, man. Guys, make sure you are subscribing, mm-hmm. following at the Prop Shop on uh, YouTube, uh, and thank you so much for listening. Best of luck on your bets this weekend. Take care.